On Racing HQ, Monday's Experts, studying the form of racing's characters. Monday's Experts, they've always got the good oil, but you can't put a bet on at the finish of a race. Yes, time for Monday's Experts, and on this 20th of March, a very special guest is joining me. One of my favourite segments of the week, and if you are listening live across New South Wales and our radio network, good morning to you. Big thanks to Mick Gearan uh, with On The Pace, but if you're listening via our podcast, and I know this segment is very, very popular on the podcast, our guest this week, he's got a big day today because he was meant to be racing yesterday there at Scone with... He's run a Liz Domania in the country championships final, the wildcard final at Scone, but uh, he's racing there today. And it is Aidan St. Vincent who joins us. And we've seen this here, the St. Vincent name in our form guides for many, many years. And I'm keen to have a chat about his career in life. Aidan, welcome to Monday's Experts. Thank you, Dave. Pleasure to be on. Mate, um, you've got a great story. And I'm going to really sort of tap into some of those great memories that you and your family have had at the racetrack, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners will remember, hopefully, some of these stories and get a bit of an inside guide to you. But, mate, where did you grow up? Uh, well, from what I can remember, Dave, I, it was all in Narrabri, a couple of hours from Tamworth. Yep. I, I was um, I moved there with my mum when I was about five or something or other. I, I, my only recall of them was sort of going to preschool, so... I spent all my schooling in, uh, yeah, the little town, the Namoi River called Narrabri. So then how does a young fella from Narrabri end up getting involved with the horse game, mate? Do you remember your first, like, do you, do you have, do you, have you got that first memory of a horse? Um, probably the f- first memory. I remember our grandfather had an old grey horse in the paddock and he was a big, big style of thing. And there might have been a couple that used to wander around with the cows and that. And um, so that was sort of probably the first horse we ever seen. Other than that, um, my sister went to pony camp one year, and she was um, older than us, and she went for the she went to go for a whole week. And my brother and I, sort of obviously as younger kids, we had to wander over there with her as mum and and potter about. And um, then we ended up being in the tr- in the brigade of the three day job that we just um, went to three days of pony camp, and my brother and I. I think it might have been the first time we sat on a horse there. So um, that's how that's probably my first memory of sitting on a horse um, and kicking one around. Yeah. And what was it about it, mate? Like, what was it about the horse at that time, or as you got older? And no doubt, obviously, you know, school continued, life continued. I mean, what was it about the animal that you loved? Um, obviously, as a, as a boy growing up, I sort of wasn't an affectionate sort of kid. So um, early on, I didn't sort of know too much about the affection for horses and whatnot but then I ended up getting a pretty smart little pony uh growing up mum bought me a horse and he um he was a ripper he used to do whatever I wanted him to do and he tried to do everything else as well so we had a great relationship me and him and so I sort of I can always remember thinking as a as a kid I never wanted to know when this horse died I just wanted to he 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 found another home after I'd finished with him and it was that sort of thing that had grown up with a horse like that. You sort of just wanted them to think that they'd, they'd live forever. So, yeah, having a, having a pony that was really good to me was definitely the start of um, wanting to be around horses for sure. Now, what about uh, in school? When, when I have this chat with uh, other trainers, jockeys, you know, people in our racing game, in school, was there other sports? You know, were you good at footy? Or, you know, when did you sort of start off in the stables? Um, well, Dad... Dad sort of took up training probably when, I don't know, when I might have been in 
year six or seven or something or other. And so from then on, we sort of were, had a bit of involvement with horses and racing and stuff. And I shot a few hoots playing basketball at times. And we all, being an Arab boy, you just had a go at everything pretty much. I was too skinny for football. I played a couple of times in year five or six, but I wasn't any good at that. So when when I grew a bit taller, I started playing basketball. And um, But horses were sort of always there. But it was in a place where it wasn't really cool to ride horses. So I I did it for a while. and then. Uh, but obviously, I was always keen in the racing part of it. And I can always remember every morning, we had to read for 15 minutes in roll call at school. And I used to take old race books and get the newspaper. If I, if I couldn't afford the newspaper, I'd get an old race book that I had or any sort of thing like that. And I remember the teacher coming to me once and had a look what I was reading. And she said, you can't read this. It's got no words in it. You know, it was just form guides. So, <laughs> but that was sort of how we... And I did work experience with the TAB and work experience with the horse trainer and and all along the years as well as holiday time, we got to be at the stables with Dad. And we all had a pony each that we rode. And, you know, before school, after school, we had to go look after our horses. So our mum really disciplined us very well in looking after animals because if we wanted one, uh, we we had to go and attend it before we went to school and afterwards. So it was never... Um, it was pretty much what I do now. Like there, was, there wasn't a great social life except if you went somewhere with your horse. <laughs> We're chatting with Aidan and Vincent this morning on Monday's experts. Aidan, um, obviously going through life, you had had a few jobs away from uh, being at the stables. But when did you sort of jump into the to the stables full time, mate? Um, probably my first proper job. Well, funny, the first time I got paid for anything at the stables, I. I was at Dad's and I was only a little fella and these people come to visit and I was and the bloke come and said to me, he said, I'll give you 20 bucks to clean your horse's stable. And I thought it was the best thing ever. So I went and done that. And lo, lo and behold, I told Dad about it and he said, yeah, well, the bloke offered me some money to stay in here. So I thought, I might as well get you to do something <laughs> So that was my first paid gig of being around the stables. But otherwise, um, I worked for Trevor Miller at the Sunshine Coast when I was oh, about 20 years old or something because... As a boy growing up in Darabroy, you sort of, it was one of them things, you couldn't wait to finish school and get out of the joint. So that's what I did. And I went to the Sunshine Coast and I worked for Trevor Miller up there for a while. And um, a couple of years after that, I ended up back at Tamworth with Dad. And from then on, I sort of, um, yeah, learned all my craft back there with Dad. Um, yeah, being around him and watching him do what he does. What did you take away from those early years with your old man? Because I often, like, I'm an only child, right? So, mate, I, you know, you, you obviously in the racing game, there's a lot of that family dynasty. And I know that uh, with, you know, my old man, especially my grandfather, you, you'd absorb bits and pieces. But then when you're being a young bloke, you sort of start thinking, oh, well, hang on, mate. I'm, if I, you know, I'm learning what you're telling me here, but I reckon I know a bit more and a bit better. And then you can come crashing quite quick down to earth going, well, actually, no, I don't know what I'm talking about or doing. So what was some of the best advice your old man gave you? Um, probably not so much what he gave me, but just what I what, what I watched. And, you know, it was like he just went and did everything that had to be done and he never went home until it was finished. And he just he just made me watch him, you know, not that he, he made me, but I was just hanging around him. And I didn't have, at the time, I didn't have any great interest in horses and racing and stuff. To some degree, I was still a kid growing up and, you know, you were looking around at other things and stuff like that, but you don't realise until later on that that's where you 
you know, learn to work hard. And that's where you realise that that's what you had to do in life to, to do what has to be done to be a horse trainer, especially in the country. So I didn't realise sort of what I was learning, but obviously later on in life, I, I look back and realise all the times I watched him do things. And that was how I learned. I just watched him do, you know, train horses and, and just stand there and look at horses. And it, you could just tell later on that he was training them by just looking at them and walking up and down the hallway and talking to himself about what, what this horse is doing and what this one needs. So all them little things that he just, um, yeah, he just took so much care in everything he did. And also the way he presented himself and, you know, talked to owners and all them sort of things and the way he constructed the business. It was just something that um, I've realised later on in life, so that's what I learned. We're chatting with Aidan St Vincent this morning. Now, Aidan, uh, he's 20 years of age. He's still in the paddock out the back of your joint, um, the family joint. I'm going to talk about this, the, the jackal because he is a horse that uh, your family got to go on a wonderful journey with. Winner of a million dollars, 74 race starts, 15 wins, 12 seconds, four fourths, uh, four thirds, I should say. Uh, the 6th of April, 2005, he has his first uh, barrier trial. Lukey Morgan, a young apprentice, and Luke Morgan is the uh, the bloke that rides him in the trial, a nice little quiet trial. And then you go to Tamworth, Luke rode him that day, he ran second. It wasn't until he got to Scone in his second ever race start where Greg Ryan rode him, and he what, put six on him, nearly six that day over 900. Did you guys know as a family, or did you... I mean, you had only been young at the time, but did you sort of... You know, you had a pretty special horse. Oh, uh, not to the degree of what he got to, um, and he did actually go to try to go to the race his first start with El Morgan on. He got scratched to the barriers at Scone, and I tell you how patient my dad was with him. We took him home, we put him back in the paddock. He got scratched at the gates, and he said, "No, nah, we'll put him back in the paddock." Wow! And he, just let, and he put him back in the paddock, and he was just so particular with that sort of model of looking after horses, and. At times, you sort of think, wow, you, you go through all this stuff and when's a good one going to come? And, and when he come, you know, it was just a magical ride. But, yeah, early days, he was he was a real big horse and he was very green and knew about it all. And he just, like, kept improving every time Dad lifted the bar. And the more sort of he got in-depth with uh, being a racehorse, he just progressed and progressed. And I think that's what... I've come to realise a good horse they've got to do. You can have some horse to give you a good feel and all these sort of things, but they've got to put it all together. And, like, here was a horse that Dad could put on the horse plate and off he'd go and drive to Brisbane or drive to Sydney and he'd put his head in the feed bin when he got there. And just all these things that made him a good horse, he just had something about him that um, everything that needed to be done, he could do it. Yeah, he paid his way. I mean, like, he went to that Hobartville and that first sort of prep and... Uh, he ran fourth behind Flying Pegasus, all in that sort of, you know, three-year-old preparation. And then when was it? When was that big one? We won the Prime Minister's Cup because I grew up in Queensland, uh, in Brisbane. So I remember seeing a fair bit of him up around Doombin and you'd bring him up there and he ran second in Chief De Beers with Brad Pengelly on board and uh, and whatnot. And then uh, that was the year that he, he went in the Stradbroke, but he ran 16th behind Sniper's Bullet. But then he came back and he won the Healy Stakes with Robert Thompson on board and and then, of course, he went on to win his first Ramorny. Yeah, it's amazing the journey the horse had. Like, even it, it blew us away that he, that he won a race in in Sydney as a three-year-old. You know, we thought that was we were winning the Group Ones. You know, that because that's what we sort of had an experience with a family horse before. So we were thinking that was the pinnacle. And then 
Yeah, when he when he when he won the the race at the Gold Coast, um, he really did stamp himself as a proper horse that day. He he did it the way I remember the call, and he's um, I think it was Wayne Wilson said he put up a Herculean performance. Because it just was where he put himself in the run. He was like three parts out of control, and he just raced like a horse possessed. And um, like you said, but then he went through a stage where I remember eating dinner with the family after the Stradbroke, and Dad was talking to Kane. He said, "What do you reckon?" He said, "Well, at the moment, all he wants to do is run from me to you, because he just wanted to get in races and charge." So it was sort of one of them things where that Stradbroke was a bit of a turning point when. Tony Batillo made him race back in the field where he didn't let him take charge of him. Mm. And um, then the next start in the Healy, he sort of, um, Robert rode him quite again, and then he developed a, a pattern of racing to do that. And that was sort of, from then on, like you said, he went there, and then he won a Ramorny. And that was sort of um, what really pushed him along to be in, in that elite class, um, to be black type, you know, everywhere you went with him. Tell us about the, how Robert got on him, because before then, uh, Robert hadn't rid on him, uh, ridden him, um, and obviously Tony Patillo rode him in the Stradbroke, but then Robert, once he got on him that day in the Healy, well, I think Robert then rode him nearly, oh, no, Larry Cass and a few others sort of jumped on him then, but it, he became that horse that RT just would always ride. Yeah, for sure. He he kicked him around in the track gallop at Tamworth one day between races, and um, I remember Dad always said about it. He said, don't worry, Robert, you'll get on him. And so it was just like one of them things that Robert was always, you know, part of the stable. But he really became a proper part of the stable once he combined with the Jackal then because when he needed a rider up in Brisbane, Dad said, well, Robert, you better go have your turn. And um, off Robert went to ride him that day. And like you said, it, it just began. And then going to Grafton, it's... Um, Something growing up, you you know, you think about places where you go. Going to Grafton's like the second hometown when it comes to racing. So um, when he went there and won in the morning, it was just like, yeah, that was sort of one of the greatest days of the, the, what our family could achieve in racing for sure. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I mean, was he, the old man, no doubt, uh, he was, you know, like probably all that generation, they're, you know, very sort of uh, calm, cool, collected, um, what we saw anyway on our, on our TV screens at Sky and now on the radio at, at uh, you know, 2KY. But there would have been a bit of emotion inside him that day because that's, that's a special thing to win a morning. Yeah, yeah. Like, Dad had been going to Grafton with Merv Corliss for a lot of years before then. And um, there's sort of it's just part and parcel of what happened every July. Um, you went to Grafton, and Dad even spent a bit of time there when the track was going to renovate the Tamworth, and he knew a lot of people there. And, and to go there and, and win a morning, it really was, like you said, very special. And it's sort of a bit like sometimes you just get this sense of relief when you achieve something like that, and you, you just have a part to play in it. And um, obviously us being younger and a bit more silly, you know, our emotions are a bit different. But um, Dad having a lot of uh, more experience on his side, I'm sure it was just a lot of gratitude and, um, yeah, a humble experience to be able to have a horse that could win a morning when the the bloke he, he learned off Merv calls managed to win a Grafton Cup. And I remember being there that day. And Dad was... I remember being there with Dad, actually. And um, so, yeah, it was, it was quite fitting to, to be there on one of the biggest days to win a race like that, for sure. Uh, tell us about when you won that second morning. What was that like? Um, funny enough, Zach Burton was in the in the members with us, and um, we're upstairs watching it. 
and um, and I mean, mate Anthony Harness was there too. I love him, and we were, and Bill Rabbit, my brother, was there, and Paul Berrigan, and, and he when he got to the front, of, like he nearly got to the front of the top of the straight, and it just blew us away because he'd never was he'd never been that close to being in front that far out. And he just put them away. Like, they just all got out of his road, pretty much. And it, it, it blew us away that he, he, he'd he had to waste run at the top of the straight. Yep. And you sort of couldn't believe it. And it was just a different feeling compared to when he had to fight it out with G.I. Jane the time before sort of thing. So it was just one of them things that when this horse hit the front of the top of the straight, we were like, is this really happening? Because it just happened so quickly. And, um, yeah, it was just, it was sort of like, it was just numbing, really, because he'd just done it so easily that day. And so, yeah, it was it was something different the second time for sure than the first time. Gee, hasn't that young Zach Purton kicked? Yeah, yeah, I remember. <laughs> I remember that. I, I, I used to get around him a bit uh, when I was up in Queensland. And I remember I, when I went back to Tamworth, we put him on a couple. And um, one day, Dad said to the owners, oh, we're putting this apprentice on Zach Purton. And and the bloke said, you sure you want to put an apprentice on? He said, look, this kid's not really an apprentice, all right? We're just putting him on. <laughs> so uh, it was um, it was always good to think of, um, yeah, that yeah, that Zed Purton rode some for us back in the day. And, and I remember he kicked the – he actually rode a winner for us called Like a Cat at the Sunshine Coast, one of Jerry Harvey's horses one day. And he rode another winner for us in Brisbane, I think. But, um, yeah, so it was good to – think that Grafton was half Zach's hometown as well, and um, he was standing there with one run of the morning, so um, yeah, it'd be magical if you came back here. I'd be loved to leg him on Lucemania in one. Oh, well, you never know, mate. Funnier things are happening. I'll tell you one thing about Zach, too. Like, he, he loves the chirp, as we know, um, but he's never forgotten where he's come from, either. I think that's one thing about him. He, uh, he might get over there and eat all the flash food in Hong Kong and be running around with the, you know, $100,000 watches. But still, he's you know inside. Need say this too. He's just that kid from uh, from coughs. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was. I don't know what oh, I would have been before um, before COVID was about. But he was. He come down here to see Trevor Hardy one day. Him and his family to um, come and say hello to him down at the old stables where we learn how to ride and stuff. So like you said, he, he don't forget where he come from. He made sure he come back here and said hello to his old boss. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's definitely. Um, although, like you said, you, you see him up in lights. He he knows where he comes from, and he always likes to um, remember them things for sure. Now, speaking about being up in lights, you've got to have to wait an extra day. You've got this listomania going around today at Scone. Uh, are you nervous? Do you get nervous? Well, I'm still in coughs. Kane's there at, at Scone with a horse, or he's on his way there soon. But I I don't think you're human if you don't get nervous. Um, it's between nervous and excitement and whatever it all is combined. But um, I, I just get excited that you get to be a part of something and that, that you know, people want to want to talk about and things like that. And also just to have, you know, excitement in the stable. It's always a good thing to, you know, just be a part of it. But today, um, probably when I'm not there, it's definitely a bit of a different feeling of the of excitement situation. Yep. But um, I just think that it's more of an ongoing thing for me at times too to try to progress a business along with horses at the same time and people in life that I just I just love everything going forward and if um, if a horse going forward and winning races is part of it 
I think it's um, it's just exciting to think that's how a business grows, and that's one of the exciting things for me too, to think what it can lead to. Um, I got this horse because of Hellenism, and, uh, well, also that the owner and dad have been mates for a long time, and his father as well. They've been It's been part of the family, them colours for a fair while as well. So um, this story goes back a bit longer than me too. So um, it'll be pretty... It'd be pretty special if this horse gets to win today to get to Ramick for sure. I was going to say, uh, that what he did at uh, Coffs off the inside drawer, has he ever been like that before in the gates or was it just, just one of those things that happened? Oh, he's always been a little bit fractious to some degree, especially as a young horse, uh, like before we raced him. We didn't have him as a baby baby, but I remember putting him in the practice gate there one morning and um, he was a bit excitable and that sort of thing. He just always had a bit of a trait to get excited. Um, and one day at Ballinor, he got a bit fractious and reared up and got his leg up, and then he got backed out and he was off, and he was right to go again. So it, it wasn't totally beyond him, but um, he was just a bit over the top that day, um, very fresh, and, you know, as they used to say, forced to train in a minute, and I think he was, and they ran the race 30 seconds late, so... That was probably a little bit to do with why he couldn't contain himself any longer. But he'll, um, and, and lo and behold, you, you wouldn't read about it, but that's the barrier he's got again today. So I know. Step into one. Yeah, I know. He's got that inside draw, but geez, um, he's got obviously Ash Morgan on board. Well, he's got, he's got two, uh, which he'll come into one, obviously, with the scratching uh, of Noble Mission, who drew the one or the emergency. So. Um, he's ready to roll, though. And, you know, could half be a blessing in disguise because we've seen this race, you know, with the two-week gap. Uh, could be, you know, just he'll be cherry ripe if he can get to Ramwick. Yeah, you never really know, Dave. He, he's not a gross horse. He, um, you know, he'll turn up there today and be able to be able to win over 1,400 a long time between runs. So, in you know, in thinking that, I think a, a gap between runs to get into Ramwick would have been fine as well. But... You know, as, as racing happens, you just keep dealing with whatever's thrown at you and you do your best you can. So um, I think uh, very good, like you said, Ash Morgan again. He knows the horse pretty well now. He's had a few sits on him and he kicked him around the barrier trial the other day. So um, we'll just make sure a couple of things happen a little bit differently in the gates this time. And if that can all go to plan, we'll, um, yeah, leave everything up to Ash from the inside gate. It's gonna He's going to have some traffic in front of him and... Um, Let's hope they can get out of the road like they did out of the Jackals Road at Grafton in the morning. Exactly right. Uh, Aiden, it's been a pleasure to talk to you, mate. Before I let you go, and I always ask my guests in this segment this, if you could stand now in front of a 18-year-old Aiden St. Vincent, what advice would you give him? Um, oh, geez, I'm not really sure, but I'd probably say be nice to me, mum and dad. Just make sure you appreciate everything they do in your family because, um, yeah, they're the ones that are there for you no matter what goes on. Beautifully said, mate. Good luck today with this horse, mate. I hope you can finish in that top two and I uh, hope I can see you at the New Haven Park. I'll tell you what, mate. The New Haven Park uh, team, they're great supporters of the country championships and on the Friday night before the big event, they have a cocktail party at the Doncaster Hotel and it's uh, the Kelly family. It's an open bar and uh, Darren Flindell does a fandom call. I think Gavin Carmody will be hosting it. Mate, that's worth getting in the race alone. So Yeah, you... well, they'd want to be glad the 18-year-old Aiden St. Vincent's not there anyway. 
I can't wait to see you, mate. I can't wait to see how this horse goes today. Thanks for coming on, mate, and having a yarn. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Dave. It's my pleasure.